Guy Hawkins, periodically not hiring Brian Burke to be the director of podcast operations podcast. He'd be good at it, though. We're conversely hiring him, it seems. Well, I mean, Ron Hepstall and Brian Burke working in the same front office for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Popcorn is being prepared. I'll say this. I... I I think what's unfair to Hextall is he because of Burke and him being hired at the same time he's being lumped in with the Brian Burks of the of the world. He's not that old. He hasn't had that many failed kicks at the can. You know, like he he did he had just you know his work as an AGM is pretty good, winning Stanley Cups. His work as a GM is mixed. He didn't do some good hiring. Uh, you know, he was maybe a little too slow for the owner's pension. Um, a little too loyal but, to that one coach. Right. But, I mean, if he learned to not be loyal to a coach and a owner has a different time frame, it could work. It could I, work. Listen, I have no issue. I understand that we all complain about the hockey car wash where everybody gets, you know, other chances. But I have no issue giving somebody a second chance after Hex- they've learned. Hextall broke a lot of hockey men traditions from the Flyers. He drafted Russians when the Flyers still weren't really drafting Russians. Same with getting goalies and drafting them. And, you know, he was one of the first people, he was the first Flyers GM to really take that seriously. Uh, And same with advanced stats. Like he, you know, obviously his coach he hired and was loyal to was antithetical to advanced stats and probably caused some friction in the front office he had to deal with. But he also did bring them inside the Flyers organization um, when other GMs haven't. So I don't want to throw him into like, I'm not like, I wouldn't even want to call him like Dale Town. Like he's not. And, and we know like Talent I, actually liked you know, analytics too. It's just that. Yeah. But I mean, like, I think it played yeah, out. Like, you know, I think he's even younger and more new thinking than that. And, okay. and I think he should, be, he should at least be giving another shot. Well, and what I think Brian Pitt- Burke is, Brian Burke is your media meat shield. He's going to be the guy that takes the slings and arrows from the Pittsburgh media covering the team while Hextall does all of the hockey work. You know, because Hextall, you know, he had to deal with the Philly media, which is a very difficult media to deal with, as we know. We live here. And Pittsburgh is not any easier so Brian Burke is going to be the guy that is the media face of all of the operations saying, this is what we're doing, this is how we're doing it. I'll take the slings and arrows, and Ron Hextall will be the guy that goes out and scouts and finds a guy that they need to find in order to rebuild or try to keep that machine going because it's creaking. No, I actually don't think that's a terrible idea for how you should operate a team in a market like Pittsburgh in the situation like the Penguins. And Brian Burke is also very good with the, uh, you know, being inclusive of the LGBTQ community in hockey for obvious reasons. So Brian Burke, you might think of him as a gruff old hockey guy in truculence and pugnacity, but he's actually good in very many areas. And he was good on TV as well. And, so. and, and that will be more of his duties. Obviously, he's going to want hockey say, and he's going to have some hockey say, and Hexel is going to incorporate that. But he is going, like you said, um, he has strengths, and his strengths are fitted better to a president role than a GM role, and that has to at least, you know, be given. I, I think, you know, from a Flyers fan perspective, this is uh, surreal. I think he said, I think he said it. Uh, Ron Hextall's like, aren't is it the league better when we have rivalries? Yeah, I, and the thing is, I mean, 
Hextall chasing, you know, Lemieux after the goal. I mean, there's a lot of visuals from my past that are not lining up with this moment. Um, and Will Scouching uh, pointed that out on Twitter. We've had him on the show yes. before. Uh, that, you know, this just does not compute. And <laughs> it's going to take some adjusting, too. But it's not the first time. I mean, Mark Recchi has bounced. Rick Tockett uh, have gone back and forth. Um, uh, Ray it's Shiro. not like famous flyers haven't like, gone Shiro. out. Yeah, like it's yeah. not like famous flyers haven't played for the Rangers or the Penguins or you know all these other teams. Yeah, or, but or you have to understand that in the immediate aftermath, like, oh, if you're I, a Flyers fan of a certain age that grew up with that team and grew up with right. Hextall as the goalie, you have to probably be a little shook right now because the Flyers' were... biggest rival right now is so clearly the. But it wasn't the Penguins for the longest time, but it very clearly is the Penguins now. And I think it's going to shift back into the Rangers as the Penguins sunset and the Rangers sunrise. And, you know, but I think for me personally, I hated Eric Lindros for almost a decade, probably until he got to Dallas at the end of his career. Uh, I think most Flyers fans hated Eric Lindros until he played at that alumni game at the Winter Classic. Right. I mean, I forgave him quicker than most, uh, but that's because he's so damn good at hockey. but, you know, I, you know, even when he was playing with the Leafs and stuff, I didn't like him, but it wasn't because anything to do with the Leafs. It was because he held out and went to the Rangers, like from the, from the Flyers. And I actually I just found on the internet fly. some highlights of that game when Lindros returned to – we'll get to talking about other hockey things in a minute. It's just this is a tangent. I actually saw – because I was too young for this. But I actually saw the video of Lindros returning to Philadelphia as a Ranger. Like, that stuff just, like – like there were fights every five seconds in that game. It's so like yeah. you're watching the hockey. It looks. Primitive. I I remember watching that. I was playing mini hockey with my friend Billy from hockey, um, and we. I just remember us like just standing there with our mini sticks in our hand, just watching the whole the whole like period. That was as big uh, as a car wreck were, as you'll ever see yeah. a hockey game be. It was. That was that was around Fox Puck. No, it was on. It was 2002, so it was on ABC. But it actually, like, I realized it's that not it actually, too far after Fox. Puck. No, it was not too far after. But it actually took place on the same day as an Eagles playoff game, which is like, wow, that's a lot to happen in that so, parking lot at one time. Oh yeah. So I mean, the stories you hear from Philadelphia sports fans from those like Flyers games into Eagles games. On, on those rare Sundays, especially with, like, playoffs and things like that, it's happened. And you have people in the nosebleed sections all in their Eagle stuff, and they're out of their mind. They've been drinking since 8 a.m. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Like, I remember story- my occlusion of this. They is tailgate have Eagles- the parking lot before it's open. They tailgate the tailgate. Yeah, and my, my equivalent to this is when, the, when the Phillies were, like, one of the best teams in baseball, and they'd have an Eagles game at 1 in the afternoon, and then a Phillies playoff game would be at night. Good Lord, that place was a dumpster. Because yep. you'd have people there from 8 in the morning to midnight, and it, oh boy. You ever, and, and all of y'all who are listening who have been down to the sports complex in South Philly, you know what we're talking about. Like my They're mind. all right there. And oh. the only thing bridging them is cheesesteaks and beer. People selling cheesesteaks and beer and pretzels, yep. porta potties and T-shirts that have crude but very creative 
and catchy uh, yes. sayings about rival teams and rival players. Yes, it was very, very amusing. And I and, and both of us have been down to the sports complex for numerous events, so we could. It's yeah. a little different now that Comcast. It's been gentrified by Comcast. Comcastified. So, yeah. Yeah, with the with Xfinity Live and things like that. No, it's still like that. I mean, and it will be like that when fans are back. But yes, it's very amusing to me. Uh, so a couple of things I want to get to. We got a lot of Panther stuff I want to talk about today, considering they're actually good now. Uh, first couple of things I want to mention, our friend Sean Tierney is now no longer tweeting and charting hockey no longer exists. I presume he got a job in hockey. I hope it's with the Panthers. I really hope Bill Zito was listening to the show and yeah. hire him. I wouldn't be, be awesome. surprised if it was a different sport, too, because obviously those skills translate to baseball, basketball, all that stuff. So. Yes, and oh, wherever he, he has gone, we are going to miss his work immensely. I love charting hockey. I loved him being on this show. He was on the show to preview the season couple weeks ago so good luck to you sean wherever you're going if you're listening you've got the why hockey seal of approval which doesn't mean much but again we will dap for anybody who is you know not just kind enough to come on this show but does the work that he's done so great credit to him and right. also kudos to all the people who got laid off by bell in canada right after bell let's talk because, and chris uh, peters by espn oh yes today, chris peters too which but that well that one was a long time you ago, know what he's good too you know what? I mean, I just got to say, I, I I didn't know about it. So it was the first I'm learning about it today. And I wish I could cancel the subscription because, uh, you know, it deserves it. But then I'd have no way of watching women's Division One college hockey. Yeah, because all those conferences are on ESPN Plus because yeah. so, the Ivies. Which watch, definitely, if you can. Uh, oh, yeah, um, yeah. No, no, no. But, no. Uh, the Lambert so, sisters retiring, too. Shout out to them uh, for being awesome. Those are that's you know my second and third favorite hockey players of all time. My first is my wife. Uh, yeah, of course, so, which is um, fair enough. Yeah, she's she's nasty. Uh, and that's why you, that's why you see why hockey tweeting about Princeton ho- women's hockey every now and again. In case you were wondering. So, uh, but uh, yeah, so wherever shout out to all the people who got laid off by Bell. You're you're much yeah. better than a terrible company. But right? Chris Peters filled the vacuum that was left when Promen went to the Athletic, and I thought. You know, over the last couple drafts, he was doing as good, and depending on your preferences or biases of different prospects, better than Pronman and the Athletic and Wheeler and stuff. I really thought he was, and it's a lot cheaper. ESPN Plus is a lot cheaper than the Athletic, and you get all that video, you know, live games and everything. And I'm about to use ESPN Plus so, in about an I mean, hour from when we're recording this to watch Tottenham in the FA Cup. But if you know. Let's let's see. I, I, w- I wished we could get Chris Peters back, or he he lands somewhere because oh he will. He's too smart to not land he somewhere. Was, he was one of the biggest opinions that I would, you know, self criticize my prospect rankings against. Mm. And speaking of my prospect rankings, whyhockeyprospects.substack.com, uh, or you can find the link through our Twitter. Um, I did a, our first rankings. Top 32 plus a couple honorable mentions, so it's 35 prospects, two goalies. Yeah, uh, people have to remind me that Seattle's going to be in this draft because I keep forgetting that. Yep, yeah, so it's top 32s now instead of top 31s. Mm. And I think Elliot Freeman's going to have to go to 32 thoughts before you know it. I was reading I'm that sure, earlier today. and sure uh, he'll, be able to, he'll be able to find one. I think he'll be able to figure it out. So I want to mention something uh, off the top of this that I find really amusing, and it comes from Frank Zaravalli, who we know well because he used to cover the Flyers, now works for TSN. I'm going to read this tweet out to you to begin. Uh, Raising some eyebrows around the league, Jonathan Huberto's ice time with the Panthers. Leads team in scoring, but fifth among Panthers forwards in even strength time on ice. One of two inside top 20 forwards in scoring the season, playing less than 17 minutes a game. 
Now, I will first mention what my initial reaction was, and then you can mention what you thought, because it's very interesting. I didn't think of this. But me, being very cynical of the people in hockey not actually being smart, and particularly not actually watching the Panthers play, because no one does, um, they haven't yet realized that Jonathan Huberto is not playing with Barkov, so he's not on the first line. And that means he's probably not going to get as many minutes at even strength because, again, people haven't watched. But the Barkov uh, Barkov Huberto lines of the past were really good, had to play the entire game because the Panthers had nothing else to throw at teams. Now you have a Barkov Verhage Duclair line, which I retweeted something from Micah McCurdy showing just how good that line is, and it's even better than I thought, just how the numbers bear out. And And if you've watched the game, you know that Barkov. Uh, Duclair Verhage line is super insanely good. It's one of the best lines I've seen the Panthers have in ages. So Huberto's not playing top line minutes. And even strength, he is playing, of course, top power play. And that top power play plays basically two minutes every power play. So again, it, it evens out in the end. But if people think that this is going to matter, if it's my opinion of it, which is stupid hockey men saying stupid hockey things, then uh, no, the Panthers are not trained. Jonathan Huberto has got no move clause and he likes South Florida. Now, your view of this, which was very interesting when you brought it well, up. Well, I, I have another point that I like that I think would that I would support your your point first that I want to bring in. He had five points in one game. Yes, he did. He had like, a hat trick he didn't skews, even know about. That 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 skews things a little, especially when you consider time. Uh, you know, he's talking about fifth among. You know, he leads team in scoring and all this stuff. But, you know, it's having a five-point game or whatever. And, I mean, I'm not taking anything away. He's been one of the best forwards on this team. He's historically the first or second best Panther in history, uh, I would say. Uh, I'm pretty confident saying that. You know, it, yes. yeah, it's, it's all going to come out in the wash. I don't think there's anything to this, but he had five points in one game. They've played less games than other teams. So the points per game and the time on ice and everything is going to be skewed a little bit. Di- you know, it's, it's going to swing more wildly in the beginning of the year. You know, it's, it's going to get back to normal. I would bet. And, you know, Huberto personally, if it's not, he'll say something and it'll probably be addressed because he's that important to the team. Because as we've said, no one, not many players in the NHL score more points in the last five years or, you know, than Huberto has. Not many players in Panthers history have put more goals, assists, or points on the board than Huberto or played more games as a Panther than Huberto. I mean, like he's, he's up there in every single category in the top top three at least, if not one or two, we're going to be one by the end of the year. There's, I, I don't think there's any disrespect or any, you know, he's going to get his due. And he's, right now, he's giving life to Hornquist. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nope. Well, through I think- Wenberg's struggles. And through through Wenberg's well, struggles. He is now starting to play. I want to get right. to a couple of players later. And the option B which you brought up, which was fascinating. Right. I will explain this, it. This, this is cynical and just, you know, a contextual. Who is Jonathan Huberto's agent? Yeah, and which would be Alain Walsh, who is the, you know, super sword agent. Through, sword through uh, Marc-Andre Fleury's heart. Yes, that guy. Um, so could this be Alain Walsh shaking If anybody would be, 
would be raising eyebrows around the league uh, about Jonathan Huberto's ice time. It would be his agent just, you know, making sure his player's stock is always high, that market demand for his player is always there, that GMs are always exploring whether Zito wants to trade Huberto or not. Because when they get sit down to negotiate the next contract, which is coming up pretty damn soon, Huberto is going to want Barkov-like number again. Remember, they had the same so, contract figure, 5.9 AAV. Now, Huberto's contract is one year longer. in the division, Toronto, have matched top winger to top center before. It's The precedent's already there. Um, so it's going... And so that's something that I think is being played out, whether, you know, Frank's... I don't know, but I think whether it's Alan, whether it's Alan Walsh shaking the tree, or whether it's a dumb hockey person who hasn't paid attention to the Panthers at all. I don't think either way there's smoke. I think this is normal, expected behavior, and I, I think every party, whether it's Jonathan Huberto and his agent, or Quinville and Zito and the Panthers, they're both happy and content right now, and no one's poking bears. Well, they already did that this year with the Yandel situation, and they got away with it. Yeah, and I think they're going to revisit that soon. Well, they will revisit it at some point. Because, I mean, we can jump into that point of... I I want to start with the positives first before we yell at defensemen, because we will. Um, Well, I I don't even want to yell at defensemen. I just want to... I actually want to praise defensemen, and, oh, and I can I can stay only on positives and make my point about the defense for sure. Okay, well, I want to start with talking just a couple of things because they are seven one and two, and this obviously yeah. is very unpanther like to watch them play pretty well and bounce back from you know you know giving a point away to Nashville by winning and throwing up a stinker against a team they always beat to winning again. You know, this is right. very unpanther like. To, to see all of these things happening. And I know they haven't played anybody good yet. They're about to. But it, it, it's funny when I watch these games, you know, and we, we have in our mind, like, what we expect Panthers games to look like and how we expect this team to play. Like, it, it feels like you're watching not, like, peak Blackhawks of Quenville, but it feels like you're watching, in some ways, the ascendant Blackhawks under Quenville. Like, he's figured something out. And they're playing a lot more like what you would expect the Quenville team to play like. My working theory, and I sent this to our friend, a uh, friend of Y Hockey, Jeff Barrett, who I text every now and again, that Joel Quenville last year didn't have the horses to play the way he wanted to play, and he realized it really quickly. So then he's like, okay, what's the best I can do with this group that isn't very good? I think I can play pond hockey. Basically, rush the puck, you know, score five, give up four every night. And by the end of the season, that obviously fell apart spectacularly, as we know, before the season paused and then in the bubble. Now, with Bill Zito in, he knows, okay, I don't have exactly the team that I might want, but I can start playing the way I want a lot more, and you notice it, right? They don't rush the puck the same way. They're not as much a counterattacking team in the same way. They cycle the puck a lot better, right? All lines can actually cycle the puck and do things in the offensive zone. It's not just one. You know, the defense are a, I mean, the defense still do Panthers defense things, but not as much as they used to. You know, it feels a lot more like a Quenville team in ways that last year's did not. Does that make sense? Well, they're definitely more 
active. They're not hesitating as much. I mean, I think it helps when you bring in a guy like Racco Gudis who doesn't overthink because he doesn't think everything's an instinct for him. <laughs> that is the best backhanded compliment uh, I've ever heard about a defenseman. Yeah, I mean, that's the truth. He he goes on his instinct and just plays without regard. And his his thing is, my faults and my flaws will be overcome by me acting and putting pressure on the other team, forcing them into a mistake, getting to the getting to a puck quicker, making what wasn't a puck battle into a puck battle, and, and over time doing that every shift, that's going to lead to more positives. And you know he's been on a lot of teams for a lot of reasons, and that's one of them. Uh, I think he fits, you know he fits he's, well here. He's done exactly what he's been supposed to do. Right, and and I think what they. Florida needs to do at some point, and I think maybe on the back end of this Tampa, I think, you know, if you if you look at it as, and a lot of people on Twitter are kind of saying Panthers preseason's over, and, and there's some truth to it, but I wish they felt that way when they were yelling about Bobrovsky, that they were just oh, yeah. preseason Oh, yeah, we'll uh, get to that but, too. But uh, I think, you know, what is, you know, you, you kind of ramped up – because Quinville's kept the first line intact. We talked about that with the Huberto thing. Um, he's kept the core of the team intact and just switched in some of the parts. Now they're kind of clicking after last night's game with kind of Bobrovsky's best performance. You know, that's what everyone's saying. Um, and I would say, you know, after you got Wemberg scoring, you got Hornquist is still scoring. The first line's still looking good. You have Huberto's had a couple big games and is feeling confident and is going right now. Ekblad is looking the best he's looked. Can, can he, we also say that nobody has talked about Aaron Ekblad leveling up again this season? Yeah. Like, yeah, last I mean, year I thought he leveled up, and this year he took another step. Like, no one's mentioned that, and he needs to be given a ton of credit. I mean, this is the best people, he's ever played. People still won't even admit that he's at least, bar minimum, top three in his draft class. Oh, he people, is. People and also, you saw, those, that, you saw those Team Frank. Canada, you know, mocks for, like, who's going to play on Team Canada in the Winter Olympics. And Ekblad's not there, which is preposterous. I, point. yeah, I mean, Ekblad, if you have, Ekblad's a top seven Canadian defenseman. I would, I mean, eh, eight, I would say. He would be well, on my team. he should make the team. He should make the team. I mean, there's, they're stacked. I mean, I, I would... Instead of taking Shea Weber or Drew Doughty, I would take Aaron Eckblad. I mean, what's that's what I would do. But if Aaron Eckblad's a third pair defenseman for you, I think your team's pretty good. Yeah, he would probably be for team. I mean, I don't have all this stuff off the top of my head, but I would probably conservative, conservatively probably have him second right D. Well, but like the point was like, what was one of the keys coming into this season? What did the Panthers have to do to get better? They needed the best players to continue to be their best players. And, that is I definitely mean, if happened. You, if you look up and down the roster, their best players have all fallen into the slots of being those players. I mean, take out Bobrovsky as he's been kind of going back and forth, finding himself in the crease. Um, but the skaters, you know, Barkov has been, bar none, the best skater. I think Huberto... You, you, you're watching him make those plays, right? The little, the little stick checks to take the puck yeah. away and just zoom past whoever he was going by. He's doing that once a shift now, and it's just like, holy crap, we take that for granted. 
please don't take that for granted because and, and, nobody in the league can do that on a consistent basis this is, really like him. And this is what I was saying. Like You could see that it was building to this. You could see how the development was going um, and everything. And you look at some other players and some of their other development. I mean, I, I would much rather this development than guys who, who flame out and don't add defensive or more well-rounded aspects and aren't able to lift certain guys up and make you know i don't carter Verhage's playing great and everything he's playing so well and, and duclair's is playing really well and everything can I, but... can I first say if anthony duclair is listening to the show which he isn't but if you are please continue doing what you're doing you are an amazing hockey yeah. player you, you are the unluckiest SP i've ever seen and, and you keep do that guy you know like I, he bet on himself i and... think i i like I agree with you. Keep do he needs to keep doing what he's doing because he's not just coming in, getting to the tops of circles and just firing like, oh, I just need to get every shot in. He's still driving to get to, you know, where Hornquist scores to to get a score to get a goal. And once he gets one wet one that way, they're all gonna pile in. It's much better to You see him make these plays, the passing, the combinations, like all of these things. You watch him just bulldoze people, and you go, okay, he's strong. But then you watch him combine with Verhage and Barkov, the intelligence, the way that they move together. You know, like as much as I love Patrick Line, and we'll talk about that later too, like getting somebody like Anthony Duclair for $1.7 million on a flyer to do what he's doing is is an inspired bit of business and it's 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 really fun to watch him play so right. keep doing what you're doing please and these you're are a great you know, these player. are the guys that you wouldn't get if you had marsha show and smith on contracts but ah that's mm. that's another who so is is, is is carter verhage now officially better than jonathan marsha so because uh, he might be i mean i think they're i think well I okay marsha so is much more designed marsha show doesn't move as no, he is not nearly as fast. He's much better for that. We're going to kill you on the forecheck, grinding you yeah, out. Yeah, he's yeah, but um, it's uh, different. But Barkov uh, lifts them up, and I mean, yeah. So you you, you got Barkov, Huberto, then you got Verhage, Duclair, then you have Lostrain in Wenberg, Hornquist. You know, all everybody's pulling their weight from the skate. You know, especially from the forward group. Um. Um, you know, couple, I would couple, like. To yeah, see, can we talk? I'd like about, to see more from Connolly, but again, that is what it is. He hasn't been at terrible. He's just been not not really anything. Let's let's talk uh, about let's talk about um, Losterain in here because he is actually the fourth highest even strength ice time on this team. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I I, I want to go back and see if see if how how confident I was or if. But I I remember when they made the trade of pinpointing him saying I, I think I like him more than Prisky you were uh, probably right about that but also I mean and, listen, and I think it might have sucks. just been just on like set younger a younger center versus an older defense older defenseman also he's finished which means we're biased but yeah. you know but but when you look I mean they lost that, that trade was terrible but to get somebody who's actually a pretty good like defensive 3c out of it who kind of came out of nowhere like I mean he, he might he be did. he might be the 2c because he might, because you know, I was saying that that line needs an extra gear. Well, he has that extra gear, and he also has the ability to finish some Huberto passes. So that again, I I I don't know if I 
don't, I don't mind him. I, going into the year, I didn't think he was a 2C candidate. I thought he'd be fighting for 4C just because I wasn't confident in Quinville playing him over others. Oh, um, he has definitely but, played him over others. Yeah, yeah so I'm, I'm happy to see that. I mean, and, and I don't think Wenberg as a, Wenberg as a 3C was my expectation. So I, I'm, hap- I'm happy with Wenberg's play. I think he's had a little bit of the Declare syndrome too. He's not a good shooter. So, he's, so his, he is going to struggle with goal scoring more. And he was in a drought because, you know, he's just not a good scorer. But uh, he, he, kept, he kept down and he wanted to go and break that bubble and score goals. And he has. And that's, that's the thing to focus on. And just, you know, the fact that he's fitting in with a line He's driving possession for the line, and he's not a liability defensively. Those are what to key in on Wenberg. They actually now have three legitimately good defensive centers. Like you could, you can say that they don't have the offensive upside that you would want, but to say right now they have three pretty good defensive centers. Barkov, we know, is good defensively, but Wenberg is very good defensively, and Osterain is getting a lot of defensive zone starts. He's getting some of that. He's not quite getting the Achari, I'm going to put you on the wing in case Barkov or somebody loses the faceoff. But he's starting, like, in the uh, I think chart. I think last game it was, um, the, the last faceoff, it was Achari, Lostranen, and Barkov for the three which, which is interesting. If you look at, I retweeted this, this, um, this Micah little thread. Um, I think Rich Jessup also tweeted it. Like, you'll see, like, where are your 5v5 shift locations starting? Los Duranians are largely starting in the defensive zone. It's not a Chari level starting in the defensive zone, but he's starting a lot in the defensive zone. You look right. at where they're starting and you could go, okay, a lot of this makes sense. You know, you're getting your best players are starting mostly in the O zone. You're getting a lot of high zone starts. You know, a player like Nola Chari is mostly starting in the defensive zone because that's what he's getting on for faceoffs. And then Los Duranian is down there and you're going, oh, okay. So it makes sense. Like, he has become a player that Quenville really relies on, which, again, I did not see that coming. And it's, it, that's why I'm saying, like, it's found money. You know, it's one of those things where here comes a new general manager. He's trying to say, okay, who do I have? What do I have? I'm going to get the most out of what I have here. And I think Joel Quenville, just listening to his comments, he was surprised by coming into camp because he knew how much he had last year. He's, I think he was genuinely surprised by how much he had this year. Because he has a lot more this year. And a guy like Los Duran, as I said, found money. I mean, they will forever lose that trade. And, and that... Get somebody out... I don't, I don't know, Rainen. because... Um, I mean, if you think... It depends on how you t- think about trades. I don't want to go too on about it, but... Um, you know, I don't think there's, there is a loss. If they... Because Trocheck, it would have been their 3C. It would, so you're basically trading... Tro check for a different 3C, and if you're getting a 3C back that you like and this Quinville likes and is happy with and we're all happy with and, you know, is going to be cheaper, are we, what's the matter? You know, like, I don't, maybe it, both teams win. Um, and maybe well, it's, it's because of how that trade happened yeah. and the fact that they got Hall and Walmart I mean, Walmart you can say nothing. that it was a bad trade to make, but it ended up somehow working out. Yeah, it, it's one of those. It's one of those happy accidents, but it's also, I think, one of those. Talent now, if you ask Talent now, he'd say he knew Louis Strainer was going to be this good, and that's why he was willing to take on Halla and uh, Walmart, and because you know, like even if they they left, because oh, you'd still have you know a good player. 
I, I bet you he'd he'd sell that on himself. Well, of course he would, because he's hockey because he's a hockey guy who will never admit that he screwed up. Um, another player I want to mention that we should mention uh, is having a, uh, is starting to really come on is is Owen Tippett, and it was so fascinating to me because Tippett's development was something that we had qualms about. You know, you saw him in that first little moment in 2017, and then he went to junior, and you you wonder about his consistency. He had a good season in the AHL before he got injured. And he had a rough start to the year. Uh, it wasn't going particularly well. Then he got scratched. But whatever he heard from the coaching staff, he's taken on in a pretty major way because he is he's starting to play much better. And, again, I don't, I'm not saying that he, he may ever live up to being, you know, 10th overall in 2017. Like maybe oh. you could have done something better with that, but he's starting to really figure something out in the last couple of games. His, his assertiveness is better. He's on the right side of the puck. He's getting more chances. And again, he's kind of like Duclair. Like once the puck goes in, it's going to go in a lot. And Hopefully. he's getting there. I, I mean, like, I what I thought was he put too much muscle on in the off season, and it was going to take him a while to get up to maybe lose a little off of it and get up to like. Uh, uh, get able to get up to speed um, because he just I don't know if it was a mix of that and being told to have more defensive detail and things but he wasn't as assertive as active you know had a li- he needed to add a little more of that Racco Gouda style into his game that we talked about of just turning off the thinking and just going because uh, that's a little bit of his strength um, and he has, and I think, you know, we'll, we'll see how it progresses again. They definitely could have used the pick better. Um, but he's here and you have to get the most out of him, whether it's getting the most out of him now, so you can trade him for a defenseman or whatever you, you need, or to keep him in the lineup and being a contributed member, uh, cause he's useful. I mean, he, he has a you know, as he can shoot the puck very hard. He is pretty big and pretty fast. I mean, whether that amounts to being a third liner, second liner, or first liner, but I think he is an NHLer, um, and you shouldn't just give that away or give up on that uh, easily. Like when you're looking at it, you can always say, you know, I think they should upgrade. You know, they can upgrade, and they should be thinking about that. But you look at this top nine and the way they're playing. And again, maybe our opinions change when they play good teams because it's possible because they haven't played the good teams yet. But you know, th- this is a very well, they, balanced top nine. You know, they're well, they playing. definitely need to. I mean, I think we are going to see it because I think that their playoff bubble, their top nine's playoff bubble, good. But you know. I don't, we get, again, we're not sure on that 2C spot. Um, At some point, at some point, you're going to have to ratchet down Hornquist. You're going to have to start rotating out some of the older defensemen, which is a whole different story we can get into at Mm -hmm. a different time. But, you know, so you... Like, you're going to have to do some, like, there is, like, for all, for how good this has gone, you know, and plenty has gone quite well. You know, they they still are going to have to find a way to upgrade. And all good teams do that. They know, all right, where things are going well, well but I we mean, can make those upgrades still. But, I mean, I'm not even – yes. I mean, event, I don't want to get too, too much talking about whether they need to upgrade. 
What they really need to do is start rotating guys in and seeing what they got and a little more. Because the blue line is what Bobrovsky has never played a game with Juleson in front of him, and Juleson has maybe been the fourth or fifth best defenseman this year for the Panthers. So <laughs> I would really like to see what Bobrovsky would look like with Juleson in front of him, especially because Juleson and Yandel seemed like a pretty decent pair. Yandel seemed to respond well to playing with Juleson. So, like, let's put – and. We, we still haven't seen Juleson and Nudavara on the ice together. I mean, not even on the ice together, in the lineup together. Mm. Um, so, like, there's a lot left on the table that we haven't seen where we don't even know if we need upgrades because, yeah, we could trade Tippett for a defenseman this year, but do we even need a defenseman this year? Or are we Part set? of me is actually starting to lean towards the idea that some of it is you can't trade Strawman in the end, so you can't free up the space. Well, but then part I, of me is also thinking, you know, actually they might have eight guys that aren't terrible that they could just ride with. There's, unless you're trading for line A, there's no reason to make a trade until you get outside of this season because it, it, the – the divisions, the bubbles, the quarantines, the the shortness of it. There's no use thinking immediately about trades right now, especially when for the first time in a while they have 14 forwards, 15 forwards. If you want to throw Denisenko into there, that they need to be playing more. Like Hepo Niemi, we want to see more games, things like that. They don't need to be adding outside people from the org right now into that mix until – they figure out what they have and I how that's by the trade hurt. deadline we'll have a better idea but right now like this is the first time in a while where you well, are not advocating for like they need and, to I do mean, something and immediately then at the at the trade deadline i mean at the trade deadline i expect dennis Sanko and lundell to be everyday nhlers or i'm ho- that i'm hoping that's the goal mm-hmm. you know i'm hoping that's the goal that as soon as lundell season's open over in april and stuff he's coming over he's practicing with the team he's I mean, because the way he's playing, there's no evidence or reason not to. He was always billed as being the most NHL-ready of that draft class or one of the most NHL-ready of that draft class and I, and compared favorably to other players who've come over and done well early. And what he's doing right now is astronomically historical. So, mm. with, That's I, a way to put it. You know, so... So there's your forward upgrade. And again, there's who, how are they going to, if they have Juleson and Nudavara, Ekblad, and Forsling too. Yeah, who's injured. So they have Forsling, who Quinville seems to like. So there's one defenseman. Ekblad Uyghur, there's three. Juleson, Nudavara, everybody seems to like. There's five. You have Yandel, who you have to deal with. There's six. Racco Gudis, everyone likes and is going to be hanging around. There's seven. And then you have Anton Strollman, who's going to be here at least through the year. Um, and, and he's playing frankly, playing well, too. For, for what is expected, yes. Is he going to live up to the contract? No. But at that point, this point, that's just fact. Everyone's accepted that. I think even he's accepted that he's, getting, he's paid for his off-ice contributions and for keeping him here and all that stuff. But that's that's fine like i mean eventually they're gonna have to come to grips with it but first they have to come to grips with yandel and that's going to be on a longer indeterminate time scale so 
until then, Quinville just needs to figure out, okay, how can I stop only rotating Nudavara and Juleson in and out of the lineup? Because eventually Forsling is going to get healthy too, and mm-hmm. then he's going to have to come back. And then it's like, okay, so Strawman and Gudis have to take maintenance days. We're not, yes. They're not benches. They're not healthy scratches. They're maintenance days. Because even just suggesting they're, 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 on Twitter they're, they're, gets people like, oh, Gudis shouldn't sit. He doesn't deserve to sit. I, I get that. He's important to the team. But he's management. old, and you don't. And you're just, de- at very worst, you're decreasing the chances of him taking a straight puck to the face, breaking his jaw, and being at 80% instead of 100% for the playoffs or something. And we're not talking five, six games in a row. We're talking there's a back-to-back, and you rest them one of the nights because it's Chicago or because it's, you know, or it's a game that you don't think you need him or you have enough defensemen who are hot right now, so to speak that you can take the night off and not lose too much. Juleson looks pretty physical. Uh, yeah. Nudavara hasn't Nudavara been... is good, calm defenseman. Know, right, and, and I, he, he hasn't shown an aversion for hitting, not taking the body. Uyghur and Ekblad have been taking the body more. Um, you know, Ekblad, I mean, Gudas's influence sometimes extends beyond when he's on the ice. Um, and I think... You know, we're not we talking. We're not talking. Eric Samuelson Branson physical. Is the defensive coach. They're gonna be fine for a night. You know. You know. You know. Like we're not talking Eric Branson physical. We're talking they're, they're the smart physical. Right. I mean, play, like sometimes them. they are stepping up and clocking people. I mean, Weger smoked that. Uh, put a uh, hit somebody oh, yeah. right off the button very cleanly. Uh, Luke Glendening. Mackenzie Weger, boy, he 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 looks right? like he's been shot out of a can. I I don't think it was the Glendening. No, that was Gudis hit Glendening. Oh yeah, but like yeah, he looks Weger looks like he's shot out of a cannon this year. Well, I know you don't I, like I don't, that. I, don't, I, don't, like, I disagree Weger. because I think he's looked too nonchalant. I think he's picked it up. Um, I, I think last game is the first game that I think he's really gone back to last year's Weger. And and again, I wasn't I. I was calling out him being nonchalant because he was. And, like, there are some plays where he's cost a goal against because of that, and it deserves being pointed out. But I've never wanted him to not be able to play through it or get his ice time decreased or whatever. It's just like, all right, dude, like, after a couple games, you need to work your way out of this, and he seems to. So that's that's great. Good coaching. Um, Good coaching does, does a I, lot for you. I'm, I'm a, you know – but like the only complaint I have with this team right now is we need to start seeing different options on defense. Like I want to see, like I want to see Strawman or Yandel. I mean, it's not going to be Yandel. Yandel's Obviously. not going to be the first one to take a seat. Yandel's probably going to be the last one to take a seat when we get to it. If you think about it. So Strawman, give Strawman a night off. And I want to see Juleson with the Yandel. And I would want to see Nudavara and Gudas, and mm-hmm. let's, and obviously the Uyghur Akbad stay together, and you know, let's see how that lo- looks. I mean, would you and be opposed for you some nights that? if they went eleven and seven? Because they tried yeah. that once and it well, was awkward. See, only you only do that when you have like Forsling in the lineup, because then you have two Yandels. Kind True, because because Forsling can do second power play. I mean, and we still aren't talking about Stillman. Who probably could be playing NHL minutes right now? We're not talking about keeper, and this is why 
I want to see more guys rotate in because I don't think we've seen the best of the defense or with how I don't many think we've options seen the best they of this have team yet either. I just want to say with how many options they have, the odds are that there's some chemistry left that or lightning in a bottle or some spark that you can generate. Uh, you know, we've seen little bits of it when Hepo and the enemies come in or, you know, uh, Juleson and things like that with the Andal. That leads me to believe that right now the coaching, the locker room, everything's working right now that you're in a good nurturing environment to experiment. Mm. Well, you know, the other thing that I think is interesting, and I mentioned this to you last night, we're going to get to Bobrovsky shortly, is um, – I actually think this team's a little unlucky <laughs> offensively. Like, you watch the plays that they make in the offensive zone, and you go, actually, they should be scoring more than they are. You know, they scored a lot early. They gave up a lot early. But they've only scored five in the last three games, right? Don't you think that this team, when you're watching them play in the offensive zone, and it's not just Claire, but other guys, you're going like, actually, this team should be scoring more. They've got good chances that they're leaving on the table. Some of that's they're facing Thomas Grice, who hates them. And others, you know, like, doesn't it kind of feel like, hmm, they, they, they could be even better. Like, I don't think we're, we've seen the best of this team yet in many ways. Yeah. I mean, I, I expect I, – I think they have to be better for sure. And well, I when they play Tampa, to, Carolina, and Dallas, yeah, yes. And they, but, and they certainly have the talent to. I, I don't think like, – again, I think that they are – playoff bubble quality this year and they really need to use this year to figure out all the new guys Zito's brought in that they're able to get I mean if new guy, if line A's on the market if guys come through waivers that you think can improve you get a call I mean obviously always explore options and stuff but for the most part let's see we, the Panthers finally have op, depth options that aren't just options to plug and play a few games but are options to actually be everyday guys and our younger guys are guys in their mid-20s who can be counted on to be everyday NHLers and consistent contributors and that's something that they need to take advantage of there's no use in finally having it if we're just going to continue to run the you know the same Panthers where it's you know Dryden Hunt gets a few games a year but really that's about it you know like Let's like Brett let's Connolly's really been see a healthy scratch most of the time, but it's like I can't say it isn't warranted, you know? Yeah. Like it's it's one of the things like one of the things we heard about the Panthers was your salary kind of dictated, you know, like how much you played. You know, and Brett Connolly being a scratch is oh, oh they can scratch me? Ah, I have to be better now. Like it is actual accountability in that in the way that we don't normally yeah. and, see. And, and I don't know. I, I mean, I think the messaging to Connolly is not necessarily you have to be better. It's more just keep hanging in there, keep going. You're going to get your shot. But, you know, I think it was understand your age and where you where your career has always been. You are a bottom six guy, in the, you know, a fourth liner pretty much, a fourth liner depth guy now. And those guys rotate in and out, and it's not personal, and it's not always performance-based. And when it is, we'll let you know. But a lot of times, it's just turns. The other thing I like about this team is you are actually seeing players work through it. You know, 
Because we yeah. see players in the Panthers in the past go through like slumps that would never end. And this year, I mean, Duclair will eventually break out of it, but Wenberg broke out of it. Like he actually got out of his his slump. He did better. We saw Owen Tippett. Like he was scratched a couple of games, and then now he's playing better. Like they are giving these players the chance to say, "All right, you might have to take the night off tonight, but you're going to get your next chance, and I know you can take this next chance." Yeah, we we believe in you to do this. Of course, you know the elephant in the room is it's being applied everywhere, but but Sergey Bobrovsky. Well, to Yandel and Bobrovsky. Well, the Yandel situation but, is unique. I mean, but even goalies, because I mean, I'm going to. I hold on. I want it, to it, read because it, even if Dreger was doing bad, I think they still. Even if Dreger was, well, Dreger has been letting in soft goals, but let's just say. Some of those posts that have gone in, that didn't go in went in, and maybe they dropped a point or two more than they did. They would still be going back to Dreger because keeping to the schedule and having two guy goalies playing pretty good and being pretty confident and being sharp is more important at this point than leaning on one goalie individually. Mm-hmm. Who 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 here? was saying, I thought before the season they were going to play Bobrovsky a lot more than they have. They've split it pretty evenly, which is, he's going to play the first game against Tampa Bobrovsky, by the way. Quenville confirmed that, uh, which is fine, because he should. Well, that, what they're doing is, they're basically getting goalies two games, and then you sit two games, and then you go two games. Because well, they're kind of like... Most teams in the league have two goalies it, anyway, you know? so you need yeah. to develop another one. And Trigger's yeah. fine. And I want to talk about this for a second, but I'm going to read Elliot Friedman's um, number 19 thought because he mentions um, Sergey Borowski. The Panthers are 7-1-2. They've overcome postponements due to breakouts and other teams, and the fact that their starting goaltender has had his preseason preparation derailed by COVID, whether he had it or not. But obviously, as we know, he was on the list. He couldn't practice. They didn't allow the Keith Yandel situation to cause a meltdown. They've beaten the teams they're supposed to beat. You can't ask for a better performance. Now we find out what we've got here. The next 11 features three games each with Carolina, Dallas, and Tampa, which is true. But the point is, Bobrovsky's season beforehand, preseason, was derailed by COVID. And we need to talk about that. You know, and last night, he gave up a stinker and then was really good the rest of the way, which is exactly what you want to say. Which is exactly know. how all of his games have really been minus, minus one. But, I mean, if you look, he's had, by the numbers, which a lot of fans just cut to the chase and that's what they're doing, um, by the numbers, he's had two good games. One really good, which just happened, and then another one, which was like a nine-two-seven, which was a, a perfectly fine. It was another game. one against the Red Wings, who he plays yeah. pretty well and, against most of the time. Right, and you know, but so he's only played five games, right? So yes, that's two. So that means he's had three bad games. One of them wasn't too bad. It was just a it was just a pond hockey game, um, and he played well enough to get them the win and, and keep them in it when they when they were down. So I mean, that's basically five hundred. I would say. Listen, I, I'm not going to... Two and, and a half, also, two and a half. Here's what's important that I think I want to mention, because we all get up for the backup goalie that gets on a heater, Andrew Hammond. It's happening in, in Chicago right now with Kevin Lankin. Well, I would, we'll eventually... say that, I would say that's a little different, because he's, he's young enough, and he's coming from European League, where we don't know... I mean, like, he was brought in to really be their starter. Now, yeah, but it's not like they didn't have they had no other option. But I'm saying right, like right. Guy, but, I'm I saying mean, like is Chris yeah. Drieger more like Andrew Hammond? 
or any number of goalie, a backup goalie that got hot really yeah, quickly. But I mean, like, even even if he's not, even if you just, I mean, there's a lot of levels before you get to 85% Sergei Bobrovsky. Yeah. Like, and some of those levels are like Curtis, Curtis McElhaney, James Reimer. You know, like, he's has to go to those levels first you know Kadobin or Thomas Grice or somebody like that you right know, maybe Kadobin's yeah. a level higher now but like something of this ilk well I would say Grice is probably I I like Grice more than Kadobin and well, I think Grice, Dallas, well it's because we've just watched Thomas Grice just well, stonewall I, the Panthers four I've, times I've always been that way but I I just I mean he's just always he meshes being a blocking goalie, which is what Drieger is, and being able to have those big stop athletic saves like an athletic response. You know, like well, a, I, I, I want to mention this on Bobrovsky because we need to. If the Panthers are to get to where we think they can get to, let's say they get to the playoffs and they're fourth and they have to play Tampa. Yeah, I mean, yes, they need Bobrovsky. Chris Drieger but, is not winning but, you a I series mean, against the Tampa Bay but, Lightning. Like, I don't, I don't want to keep rehashing that. I mean, if we want to talk about something new about Bobrovsky, let's just say, you know, he's his season so far has been like every typical Panthers start, where the first five minutes they don't, they're not, a, they're not on their game. They're just not sharp. And then they takes a goal going in or, you know, the, almost a goal going in for him to wake up and it gets progressively better. And by the end of the second and third period, they're playing really good and winning the possession. You notice that the second period is their best period this season. They right. are like plus eight in the second so, period this year. And, and you look at Bobrovsky, he's not very comfortable. And, if you, and I don't know whether it's the new goalie coach and they're trying to change some of his game to help him get better early in the game or to get him, you know, better from last year you or whatever. something about equipment. Now, I'm going to have yeah. a goalie guy come on this show at some I, point because I want to talk about this. But I, I don't – so he's got new pads this year, and it's a whole new brand and everything, and I don't – it looks like they're sizing a little different too. Uh, and it looks like he doesn't like the way the inside tops of his pads – are touching or resting when he's getting set into his position. And it seems that that's something that is on his mind. And obviously you don't want something on your mind when you're facing NHL shots on a two-on-one or something like that early in a game when you're still finding your crease and stuff like that. Um, I, I think that everything we've seen from Borowski is fixable. The thing is... You have to fix it quickly, and you have to get do it in a good environment, or it becomes a Matheson. Uh, he, or it becomes yeah, what happened situation. last year, where it was a it was well, the sword of Damocles hanging over their head every night. Well, but yeah, it becomes a yip situation where the fear of failure then drives the failure, and uh, you know, right now that. I don't think Barros, that's what's happening with Bobrovsky. It's fixable. It's the way he's holding his glove on, you know, like it's just little things. He's moving his glove too much. He, you know, he there's things that this goaltending department of excellency should be able to fix because he that's not part of it's not always been part of his game. Obviously, he's played at a level where it hasn't hampered him before. How can you get it back to that? They have one of the best goaltenders of all time in Luongo. They have one of the best goaltending coaches of all time brought in as a consultant. Let's give it some time and see how it goes. Mm. You have a goalie that's playing well enough 
and the other, you know, Dreger on the nights off. You have a goal. You have Bobrovsky who's still playing well enough, and his team's still battling for him. That's important. You see it on the ice. Like it's not. I, people on Twitter are acting like the team is playing scared in front of Bobrovsky. No, it's the opposite. They still have enough trust in Bobrovsky that they're still playing running gun in front of him. If they were scared, they would be. They play more like they play in front of Drieger. <laughs> yeah, I mean a little bit, yeah. But I mean, I think also Drieger, the the defense can play the another thing people keep bringing up is how like the stats show that that defense plays the same way for Barassi as they do for Dreger. No one wants to answer the point that um, that's a positive for Dreger but a negative for Barassi. The same way doesn't mean it's good the same for both goalies. And that and high school hockey teams have to play different for two goalies. And that's something that they're able to do. So it's something that professional teams in this situation are definitely doing and able to execute. And it's not saying they have to play a whole different system and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's – you. I don't – It we were way too late in the podcast to get totally into it. And, yeah. and having a goalie per, – uh, I will. We, we will have somebody who knows goaltending better than we do on to um, talk about this. You know, I, something I want it, to explore. It's like I have, you know, you know – there are certain details of how of what like, certain things you need to do for Bobrovsky, a certain goalie. Bobrovsky is somebody who wants his defenseman to be looking after the back post in the negative space there, and wants and needs some a teams that are, you know, able to not get in his way because he's when he's confident on his game. He's stepping out. He's aggressive. Look and at those saves he made on Darren Helm, that one-two-three stop. Right. You know, when he's stretching out, and there is not a guy in front of him, it's a great like set of saves. Like That's what he's good right. at. And remember, and, and as again, good as Chris Drieger is, he's not saving that. That's good rebound control. I heard people say that that was bad rebound control. What Do you want him to have no. a glove on his leg? Like, he only has one glove. He has one glove, people. And he, and he saves that in a place where he knows he can save the second yeah, one. But I mean, like, yeah, when you have your, when you're stretched out on your leg and you're keeping control of the pad and the puck and it's not bouncing back onto their sticks, you, I mean, like, it's, anyway, he's, he's been doing good enough. He needs to improve. Good enough is not good enough. Oh, and obviously, I agree with it. There's things that can be done. Let's let it happen. He works hard. He's a good character in the locker room. All of his teammates really like him. He's not I don't getting boo-boo-faced about it. Is only driven from a few people in the media and and the fans. That's the only people who feel urgent and immediate and think that this is something they'll be worrying about instead of something that, you know, well, hey. Well, again, Shudo, as you mentioned off the top, you mentioned off the top, people are saying, oh, preseason's over now. Well, right. if preseason's over, why is it not preseason for Sergei Bobrovsky, who may or may not have had COVID, but couldn't practice because he – may or may not have had COVID. And, I mean, so we'll see how Bob continues. I mean, sometimes it makes it hard to defend him when he gives up a soft goal, but every goalie gives up a soft goal. Bob's stinkers look a lot worse than Dreger's stinkers. Because because of Sergei Bobrovsky's contract, who signed it, what it meant, what happened last season, we still have that in our minds about him. And as opposed put, to... Because- you know, what Drieger? we think about Chris Drieger. 
in most of Dreger's saves, he doesn't even see the puck. Or or the or he gets lucky because it hits a post, you yeah, know, which all goalies right. have. And, and I mean, like, and it's not I'll, a bad t- thing. It's not a no, bad. No, 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 no. But his I'm, style I'm... is to take up the net and hope it hits him. That's different from Borowski's style. That was known when they signed the contract. Though some of the time, that's the same with Luongo. Luongo wasn't a hope it hits him goalie. No, and he was a he was a butterfly goalie. And he would go out and challenge and make the saves. And that's some, and that's something that we had to live with. At times, Luongo did give up squeaking five hole goals, or did give up goals from wandering the net, or from being too aggressive, or being too confident. And that was something we had to live with. But I mean, like it was still those sometimes those goalies can in the playoffs when it matters when you're going for hardware be the goalies that go on heaters that win you series multiple series and and trophies you know what's really funny we're hearing about Luongo he's been he's now on the team Canada staff for 2022 which good for him I mean but and he also he's gonna be a GM somewhere very soon I I want and somebody mentioned Vancouver and I I don't know if Luongo wants to like, part of me thinks, like, he could be the guy. I mean, I want Bill Zito to succeed, obviously. But part of me thinks, like, why did you make Eric Joyce the GM in waiting when you could have just made it Luongo? Because now I think part of why, like, Bill Zito's had him very involved, and clearly he's very involved, is, like, Bill Zito knows this guy could be a general manager, and I know he really loves the franchise, and he might be the next GM of the Panthers. He could be. Yeah. And I, mean, I think that, look, that the reason should be why the Panthers is interesting— Oh, the reason why Vancouver is interesting is because, as, as Free, uh, Elliot Freeman mentioned, he knows the market. He played there. He understood. Part of me also wonders, like, does he actually want to leave Florida? And I don't think so. That's why I'm thinking no. he could be the next GM of the Panthers because he might just be around because he doesn't want to leave South Florida, which, fair enough, South Florida is very nice. But, like, yeah. he, he, he is a very I big part of this front office. I think he would only leave if he didn't get it after Zito. No. And I think like that Zito goes, early. like, five years, whatever, six years, and then moves on. And it doesn't go to Luanga, then then he probably goes somewhere else because he's young enough. I mean, you he's know how only old... forty. He's like only forty, forty-one. He's got a long way to go with this. And and again, he's part of a of a good front. I want to mention also, uh, listen to the Hockey Culture uh, podcast done by Anson Carter. They interviewed Brett Peterson, who interesting guy to listen to. I recommend listening to that if you want to get a little insight into him. Um, again, just just a oh, smart guy that you know that Bill Zito just wants to bring in and. He again, it's not about anything other than you got smart hockey people, bring them in, make your organization better. And I think, like, you see a front office that again is pulling in the same direction. That's a lot of why this team is good because everybody's in harmony, everybody's working together. There isn't the question about you know what's going on in the front office, there's no factionalism anymore. Everybody is pulling the same rope, pulling the same way, and that's really good for this team because it actually feels like you have a direction that is. It feels like maybe they've turned again. Let's wait and see after they play the good teams. But when if if they come out of this, not necessarily like they're not going to win seven one and two. But if they come out of this playing good and they give Tampa their run, because Tampa's just been smoking teams. I, I tweeted it last night. Like I watched that game against Nashville, and Nashville's bad by the way. Um, they just look like the Harlem Globetrotters. They're not even trying half the time, and they're putting six up. And this is again without Kucherov. So if the Panthers can make the Lightning sweat and make them. You know, play them even. That doesn't mean you're going to beat them, but play them to the way that like nobody's played Tampa yet. That 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 is a as, as a sign a step forward for this team. And I'm so it, it's the most interested I've ever been in Panthers Lightning games because normally you're scared because like oh the Lightning are going to run circles around them because usually that happens. Now I'm like this this could be a really interesting little stretch of games to see how the Panthers and Lightning match up because again they could play in the playoffs and 
you know, being able to put the lightning somewhere where the lightning have not been put by anybody this year would be a very big testament to the way that this team has evolved. And I think that's going to be really fun to see. And also, again, Panthers teams in the past didn't always beat the teams they needed to beat. They've done that really this year. Like, they should be 8-1-1. And against bad teams, that's what they should be. Um, Just quick thoughts elsewhere. Um, Nashville's terrible. They are really bad. Like, I, I didn't, I, I'm glad I predicted the Panthers to finish ahead of them, and turns out I might be right, because they stink. Do you, do you agree with that? Uh, I mean, I don't think the roster's terrible. I just Something's think wrong they, there. Something's wrong. And it's not just uh, John Hines, but something feels off. It's the GM. I mean, at some point, I mean, that would be like if the Panthers just kept keeping town after everything. Like, you know, if, even after the the oh, accusation, the even yeah. even after the terrible trades, the terrible results, even after, you know, being disinterested and not want to be proactive about, you know, addressing the team's needs, you know, all, everything to take into consideration. And they would just keep 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 bringing them back because to me, I mean, Poyle has, you know, things he said and signed. Mike Ribeiro, you know, like, so Paul, you know, he, I don't understand why he's there. He's messed up. He's turned Shea Weber into, I mean, what did they end up getting for P.K. Subban? Uh, nothing. Yeah, so I don't, and Shea Weber is still right now playing pretty well. At least top four would still be top, playing top four minutes for them. Mm. Uh, you know, they. I, I traded, think that they have to. I think they have to answer to that. This he traded. Year. He traded for. He traded what he was going to trade for Matthew Shane for Kyle Torres instead, who he then had to buy out, uh, and that included Sam Gerrard, who he traded because he thought Dante Fabra would be better. How has all of that worked out? I don't understand why he has a job. I don't understand why he's not made fun of more. Like, I don't understand why he's not the Dale Talon or, like, he's mm-hmm. not the, the name that people talk about. Uh, Team USA has underachieved for the exponential explosion of talent that they've had. Oh. Uh, I don't think that they are run very well, and I think the people they keep hiring has to do a lot with the fact that Hoyle's still around and tolerates those people being hired. Let's go over a couple of quick things before we rewrap this up. A couple quick, two things I just want to get to that are just two points. Abs and Flyers writing. um, We'll do some more of that. I just did a Flyers post. Some of it's probably out of date already. but Well, they have COVID, so it might not be out of date for for a while. Abs is in the work. COVID. Uh, abs in the works. We have to I have, uh, do. I have some ideas for what I want to do with that. Um, so those are my two announcements. We're, we're we are still writing on the Substack. We're pushing them out when when we can. But you know, it's mm-hmm. you know periodical. It's organic. COVID. COVID. We're not forcing stuff. I'm not just gonna sit around and do stuff. I know O'Brien's thinking about uh, a good Bobrovsky, um A look at you know, different things you can see in how Bob's positioned in the crease and stuff that shows whether it's going to be a good or bad night for Bob. Uh, like last night from the get-go, 
Mm. I knew it was not A couple good. other things around the league I want to get to. Um, the Patrick Line benching, apparently he blew off an assistant coach, and that's why he got benched. Is that a convenient excuse? Ooh, who knows? Um, but Tortorella needs to probably go if this continues because, as I said, at some point it's the coach that's the issue here, and Torts is definitely not helping these well, situations. What 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 did uh what was it Dreger who's on the radio saying that maybe or was it Friedman or somebody who said maybe this is oh it was some I think it was a Columbus get... reporter or I think it was a Columbus reporter saying he's trying to get out by pissing off the best player I don't know well you know if I, now we don't know that's the case but if it is I think if you're right it came from Aaron Port's line who is well it's not necessary it could have been another reporter. But, right. like, but, I can't remember exactly who it was. But, like, you know, that, if that's true, that would be hilariously hypocritical oh, of yeah. John Tortorella, who is put the team above your personal BS. And if you don't want to be here, get your ass out the door. Stop wasting everyone's time. Blah, blah, blah. Well, there, that is there some college is. football coach level hypocrisy. Now, he's hurting the team, or he's trying to hurt the team. Because he just wants to get out of there instead of just quitting himself and going to do something else. Because he just he wants to be fired so he still gets paid. And oh. so he's forcing the hand. And that's not and that is not the character and you know, you have Cam Atkinson, you have all these players, Felino, in the in the press room, standing up for Tortorella. Like if you don't do something, you you're expected to be benched. It happens to everybody, blah, blah, blah. And all this stuff going to bath bomb. And if they ended up finding out that he was just doing it on purpose because he wants to get out of there, I hope that they would look, feel silly. I hope that I they hope would. so, too, because that, that would be a hell of a look. And Miko Koivu retiring. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yikes. He, I think he was saying, you know, he didn't have it. Um, and the, here's the thing. He didn't – I think what I read from it is he – this was not – Columbus was not a place where he thought he could find it again. You know, like there's just, I mean, on you didn't want to be in that thing that's been happening there. Yikes. You know, it's how many players have, like, I don't think, I don't know if Miko Koivers is the exception to the rule of like, oh, as soon as he's not competitive, he's just like, yep, I shouldn't be in this league anymore. I'm going to retire. See you guys. No, guys hold on for their dear freaking life. They take, try the stick from my cold dead hands. Right. You know? That's mm. that's the, that's a lot of these guys' mentality. I don't know if he re, there to me, he's willing to retire because there's not a reason to stay. Mm-hmm. The he's not happy, you know. He's not happy with his play, of course, but he doesn't feel that this is a place where his play can improve. He doesn't feel like he's has the resources to get better, and you know he does. And it's not necessarily a team or a locker room that he likes enough to, hey, maybe I'll give it another month. Maybe I'll give it, you know, the rest of this because we don't know how long this year is going to go or whatever. Just, you know, he's he's ready to get out. That's the he, thing to take away. That's he, he, he was like, nope, this ain't it, and, and I'm I gone. Think Bye, guys. I think Line is going to be exactly the same because, mm-hmm. there. I mean, I don't think Line wanted to be in Columbus. I don't think with Tor, Tortorella there or not because I think – the ethos of Columbus is going to stay the same, even if it's not Tortorella, which means that you're getting a Paul Maurice type coach and that type of thing. And 
Line A's not going to get his dedicated top center he wants and this and that, and it's still Columbus. And, you know, so I think it's, you know, it, it's, it's the soap opera is not done. And at some point, Kekalainen has lived long enough to become the villain. Oh, hmm. You may be something. There might be something in there. Anything think- else you want to talk about with this, uh, this hockey thing? I will tell you, it is unconfirmed uh-huh. to me. That we are going to, by the way, you're going to get another podcast. You're going to get another podcast soon. Corey Snyder is going to come on. We're going to talk in depth about the Central Division and all the. Can't wait. And I'm excited too because we get, I get to learn a little bit more about how Vincent Trocheck might actually be playing within a structured system now, which has never happened before. Um, very interested to talk with Corey, of course, one of our favorites, talking about all things Central Division, or as somebody nicknamed it, the Disco, because it's the Discover Central Division. So. I like thinking when a team's breaking a long losing streak in the Central, they're breaking a disco duck. Anybody ask, else got that joke or me? Or is it just me? No, but speaking of disco, ask for, uh, ask for some of his 2021 music recommendations. Oh, yes. Very good at music. I'm not a music guy, but he is a good music guy, so, so talk to him about that. And he has a cute dog. So um, anyway, we're going to have that shortly, and also we're going to have a goalie guy come on to talk about Bobrovsky. I promise. Uh, otherwise, hey – Relax about Sergei Bobrovsky. Enjoy the coming games for the Panthers. I would say it's... relax about everybody, like even Connolly. Like I don't like when I see Connolly's name come back in, but guess what? I don't. There's no reason to freak out about it because I know he's coming right back out. Mm-hmm. And I know that this is just like, hey, I I'm telling Con. I'm you know they have to give Connolly games. So when Connolly sits, he doesn't. Th- you know it doesn't. He's He's positive, he, you know, all this stuff. I get that, and he's playing well enough to get those games occasionally. Enjoy the games when the Panthers yep. play now against these really good teams because yep. now it's not like, oh, we have to be scared that they're going to get dump trucked. It's, they might and, actually be on this level. And, and try, try to, if there's players that you want to focus on, focus on them when you, they play, when they're on the ice. Don't look at the puck. Don't just watch them when they have the puck or when they're on a two-on-one and stuff. Just focus on them. It's a lot easier to do live, but I'm not recommending anyone go see a hockey game live right now. Um, so I would say, you know, and, you know, enjoy. Try to watch and learn from this team and see what they're doing different than other teams, and that's probably where the progress is being made. It's a lot of fun. Good afternoon.